Before we officially start, I must give a special shout out to the boys of at Recovery. Much like myself and the lads, Chris and Ian are a couple of rugby fanatics like we all are, and they've created various products with recovery in mind based around natural CBD remedies. Head over to their Instagram page or website and use the code FREEBLOKES. That's the number three followed by blokes for 10% off all their natural products and feel the benefit today. Hello, good afternoon, good morning and good evening from wherever you're watching or listening from. My name is Jamie Robinson and welcome to the 100th episode of Three Blokes and the Rugby League podcast. I'm joined by my ever-present co-hosts Jed Amos Goddard and Callum Wood as we welcome in the century. Welcome boys. I mean it wouldn't be right if we recorded our 100th episode alone really would it lads? So we've invited an England international along to share the celebrations with us. We are very pleased and very honoured and very delighted to welcome Sid Ellens and England winger Tommy Makinson to the broadcast. How are you doing, Tommy? Hi, lads. Yes, pleasure to be on. Thanks, uh, thanks for having us. I hope you're all well. Yes, mate. We're good, mate. I mean, first things first, mate. It's your testimonial season and you've been granted one by the RFL. Uh, how have you found it so far? Obviously, it's been a bit difficult with, with COVID and all that rubbish, but how are you finding it? Yeah, you know what? So, so obviously, so lucky to to been here for ten years at Saints, such a great club, and yeah, it's been obviously a difficult start, you know, to to everyone's life in it this year with the pandemic and what have you. But been so well supported by all the rugby league family with my events across the board online, and and obviously my game, what was streamed through our league. So yeah, feeling incredibly proud and and lucky that I get to do this for a living, and yeah, really thankful that everyone's got behind us and supported us. Excellent stuff, mate. For anybody that is listening, we try and keep ahead of schedule. So we're recording this in early May time. So you've just uh, you've just won the Challenge Cup quarterfinals and we'll probably be releasing this in the summertime, mate. But you've just beaten Huddersfield 23-18 this past weekend, mate. Really tough game for you boys, wasn't it? But you managed to pull through. That was it, yeah. Obviously, Huddersfield are a real quality outfit. They've just obviously not put the, put the wins together this year. But yeah, like I said, they've got so many quality players in that side. Caesar, Gaskell. Kenny Edwards, people like that who control things and, and can win games. But yeah, to get the win for us, it's it's really nice and, and progress to that semi-final and, and looking forward to uh, a tough game against Hull to try to get to Wembley. Very much so, mate. I mean, look, at, we were doing the research for this podcast, mate, and looking at your credentials, you've won everything in the game bar the Challenge Cup. I couldn't actually believe that. You just imagine Saints win it every year in, in some cases, mate, but you, it, must be a, it must be a priority for you boys this season. Oh, it has to be. You don't pull that, you know, St. Ellen's jersey on without thinking of all the all the famous victories in the Challenge Cup, do you? And I, I think it's the longest Saints have ever gone without winning a Challenge Cup. I think it's, you know, don't quote me on it, but it's getting on 12, 13 years, I think, now since we've last lifted it. And, yeah, it's certainly high on the list. And, you know, from, from a selfish point of view, one that I've, you know, that's always eluded me. So, yeah, I'd like to uh, to grab that one for sure. Superb stuff, mate. Just just looking once again at the research that we've done for you. You were born in 1991 in Wigan. Uh, so you were brought up around Challenge Cup wins, I'm sure, mate. But I, I never knew you were a Wigan. I, I, obviously, you're born and bred rugby league, man, then. Yeah, all my family are, are diehards, Wigan supporters. Uh, you know, the grandma and granddad still still love Wigan to this day. And, you know, it's always uh, you know a tasty one come Derby Day, you know, who they're supporting and whatever. But, yeah, they, they'll say they'll always love me, but they can't change their allegiance to, from Wigan to Saints, can you? I bet you kept that one quiet, mate, when you first got uh, signed on to the scholarship. Well, that was it, yeah. When I Obviously, when I was 16, it was sort of uh, Kieran Cunningham, Sean Long's, you know, your people like Leon Price's last years. And, yeah, it's certainly one I uh, kept, you know, kept under wraps until he left. Tell me about your early days then, mate. Were you always kind of sparty? Did you, did you kind of prefer rugby league or didn't anything else catch your eye in school? 
it was just always rugby for me. You know yourself, you know, coming from a, a rugby league up bed, it's just, that's all that, you know, that was in my eye line growing up. It was, I live right next to uh, the Hinley Fields, Hinley RLFC, my old amateur club, and sort of roll out of bed. And I was I was straight into training and, and running around with a rugby ball with, uh, with all my mates. So, yeah, watched Wigan since I was a kid, loved playing with my mates, and it was just all rugby. So it's only right that I fell into, fell into it at the end. Superb stuff, man. Just looking at that, you started at Hinley, but ended up at Wings, Wigan St. Jude's. I mean, once again, mate, you talk about the talent that's come through them ranks. Uh, it must have been really good for you to get into there. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, Hinley, then Wigan St. Jude's, the, the two of the biggest amateur clubs in, in Wigan. And to play from both, I feel incredibly proud, you know, that I've represented the badge and, and hopefully what I've achieved in the game, they can, they're proud as well. So, yeah, there's been so many great names coming from them two clubs, obviously. Paul Deacon, you know, we used to play for Bradford legend. He, he come from Hindley. And then you've got Sean Long, you know, Kieran Cunningham, St. Ellen's laddie who ended up playing at St. Jude's. You know, that's that's their story. So, so many incredible international players and hopefully I can follow in the footsteps and do the club. Yeah, there's there's loads of other teams. Like them, mate. Sorry. My... It's all right. It's all right. We're all good. So there's Wiggins and Pats and St. St. Cuthbert's as well. There's so many, like you said, like, like Wakefield and, and Uddersfield and other areas. It's such a hotbed of rugby league. Coming through a, like a school environment, was there any school teams at all or did, were you just looking forward to a weekend playing against your mates? That that was it, mate. It was just playing against my mates at the amateur clubs. It was just, that's that's all I cared about. You know, it was our school wasn't so much a, a big rugby school where I went to. I went to a place called Mornington High. It was sort of an arts college. It wasn't, you know, to, to see rugby league there, there was, you know, they wasn't having it because it was full of, full of kids who'd probably rip your head off if they got the chance or... It was it was never on the cards there, so it, I was just waiting to to the weekend to play with my mates at Inley and St Jude. So, like you said, that hotbed there, it's like like Yorkshire, like you said, the Wake, Eurosphere, Leeds, all them together. It's the exact same in Wigan. There's, you know, every every mile or so, there's an amateur club. You know, where I was from, it was Hindley. A couple of miles down the road was in Wigan, St Pat's, St Jude's. You know, then you've got Lee. You know, so it's and then all the clubs that go with that. So. Like, like I said, I was a stone's throw away. Wherever I travelled, I was always close to my mates to get ready for a game. I can totally relate, mate. It's very similar in Wakefield. Like, I play for East Moore, the Stanley Rangers, Normie Knights, all with, like, great international players coming through the ranks at all those clubs. So I can totally relate there. Yeah. Um, how long were you playing for these amateur clubs to, until, like, your, your, your Super League clubs and, and scholarships started sniffing around? How did that sort of come around? Yeah, my journey was uh, was a bit different, to be honest. It wasn't always plain sailing. I, I signed for Wigan. I was on the Wigan scholarship from about 12 till 15. And I was always a real small kid. You know, I wasn't wasn't the most gifted, talented kid by a long, long way. And sadly got let go when I was fifth, about 14, 15. And then I, I got, uh, you know, I sort of fell out, fell out of love with the game, to be honest with you. And didn't really know where where I wanted to go, whether it was the the right pathway for me or, or whether I was good enough. And, and luckily enough, uh, a fella called Joe he, he signed me up for Lee. He said, "Just come down and have a few training sessions and and see where you go." And I sort of fell back in love with it again for a few months. It was just sort of enjoyment. I wasn't going to impress. I was going just to have a laugh with my mates. But it was for Lee Centurions. He's doing something out of love and. And then I managed to uh, play a few games from Wigan St. Jude's in, in the sort of the close season. And St. Helens come in for me and, and sort of offered me a place and said, listen, we're, we're going to Australia on a tour. I don't know whether you'd be whether you'd be interested. There's no contract there, but, you know, we want to offer you three or four games, see what you've got and see see what you make of it. And yeah, the rest is history, so to speak. I, I managed to play well on that tour and, 
and, and sign my first professional team contract in 2009. I was just going to say, mate, that just from that moment, then the rest is history. What was the first, uh, like, early, you signed in 2009, what were the first couple of years like in, in the academy at Saints and, and what was the jump just coming from, like, being in around these clubs but then being committed to St. Ellen's? Was it definitely a jump up, did you notice? Yeah, just a shock to the system, to be honest. I remember I was at college at the same time and I remember going to college, I was doing, you know, on a dinner break, I did a bit of extras down at the old Nosey Road and then, and then straight back to college and then straight back training again at night. It was full on, you know, I was, I was sleeping well, put it that way. And just a shock to the system being full-time down there and not really knowing what to make of it and having all these sort of, I wasn't training with the legends back then, you, you know, your, your Sean Longs and people like that, but, it was just sort of getting to see them in and around training, what they did. And from then on, it was always like, well, that's what I want to do. And, and finally, I got in that first team and started training with them and playing with them. Jumping forward a, a couple of years then and get to 2011 and you make your debut in a 56-22 win against Salford in the second round of Super League that year. So tell us what you kind of remember about that experience, and, you know, making your, your first game for Saints. Yeah, it was, it, was, uh, it was coming. I was I was playing pretty decent in the academy, and and they sort of said, you know, we've had a few injuries, and you can get, you can, you sort of going to get your shot here. And Roy Simmons, our coach, then was uh, he always carried a back on the bench, and 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 I could play centre wing, full back, sort of fill in wherever. And he was like, well, you're on you're on the bench this week, and I think Eddie Gardner got injured, and one of the young lads, he was a bit older than me, got in at wing. I think it was Tom Armstrong or. Jamie Foster or someone like that and then I, I moved to the bench and so I got 10 minutes against Salford in, in, a, in a big win so he flung me on with 10 minutes to go I think Jody Broughton jumped jumped right over me he scored a try in the corner and uh, I think I knocked about three balls dead didn't take a carry it was just like just talk about, talk about the occasion getting to me I was just like wow what, what is this what's going on I always remember walking out of the Willows and, and the, the old changing rooms was on a big slope and the cage where you walked out was getting rattled off all the home supporters. I was so out of my depth, it was ridiculous. And it was probably a good thing about 10 minutes, to be honest. Not quite the dream debut then that you probably always imagined. That's it, yeah. The dream, the dream debut sort of come the week after, obviously, with a, a bit of a stop-start game against Salford, obviously only getting a 10 minutes. You can't you can't work yourself into, into a game just with 10 minutes at the end of a match. But I sort of got carried along got on the bench all year but the next game was Wakefield managed to score a full length in that game uh, so I got an intercept and went the length it, it was uh, always memorable and then my next game after that I got a, a sort of 50-60 minutes Paul Wellings went off at Derby Day at Wigan it, it was just magic it was my mate's 18th the same, the same day and uh, he, he sort of had a party afterwards they're all Wigan as my mates so I was at DW, we lost in the last minute. Liam Farrell scored uh, scored a try, but I just remember going to this to this do with my mate and being like, I can't believe I've just played, you know, 25,000 people at DW and I've just played fullback for 40, 50 minutes and we lost, but he had a real good game. And I felt from then on, I was like gaining confidence all year and was starting to enjoy it more. It ended up being a, a pretty memorable first season, really. Pretty successful one for you, wasn't it? Did you kind of imagine it? turn out like that in the end? Not at all. It was, like I said, it was sort of on the first three, four months, I was just on the bench and coming on 10, 15 minutes, you know, if there was an injury, maybe more. And there was one game, Celtic Crusaders away that I didn't even get on and I was sort of like, well, you know, what's the point in even being on the bench if we're not going to get on? It's sort of pointless. You may as well put another forward on the bench and, and utilise him proper. But 
the back end, you know, Eddie Gardner, you know, sadly got injured and I think I played 12 full starts that year and ended up finishing with the grand final against Leeds. What, you know, sadly got away from us. We, it, that Leeds team was stacked, but we had, we had the better of them, to be honest, in, you know, the first 60 minutes and we got some bad injuries and we just took our foot off the gas and poor, sort of a poor performance in the last 20. They, they showed the class and just, and just wiped the flow with us and it ended up, you know, quite a big score, to be honest. And, I remember thinking, just I was so upset. It was James Graham's last game for the club and I was 18, 90-year-old kid just thinking, flipping heck, this could be my last of a chance here. It could have ended before before it sort of started, you know what I mean? And you know, luckily enough, I got my chance again in, in 14 and, and won it. But it sort of felt like the end of the world that year, even though, I only played, even though it was so good. I sort of looked at it a bit negative and was like, well, got my chance in the grand final. Like You don't see these you know, so often. And yeah, touch wood, plenty more come. Did you feel at that point, you know, when you're making starts and getting a few games and you're about now that you, you sort of slotted in and kind of belonged in that team straight away or did it take a, a bit of time? Yeah, it sort, of took, it sort of took a few years, to be honest with you, because they still had Eddie Gardner, Francis Melly, Michael Shenton, uh, you know, a few centres in the mix there. So I never felt like it was my my spot since. With so many wingers and centres, we had, you know, all around a few years older than me, but with long careers ahead of them. So I thought, you know, who knows what could happen here? I, I nail a spot on and see what happens. And yeah, luckily enough, sort of 11, 12, I got, you know, Eddie was still injured. I got a long, a long shot there, played a lot of games, same in 13, in and out. And I think from, four, you know, the back end of 13 and 14, I sort of made that position my own and, and went on then. So yeah, it was never, it was never sort of played, you know, for St. Helens on the wing and then bang, that was my spot then. For the first two or three years, it was, you know, in and out. I went on a few Lawn appearances at Rochdale, a few, you know, one at Whitehaven, which was memorable. You know, I think we got beat 36-0 off Hunslet. It was about minus four. And I remember just thinking, flipping heck, this is, you know, this is, this is not good, this. I'm getting absolutely tailed up here and play, playing poor. I thought, you know, I, I didn't know which way I was going to go then with Nathan Brown. And luckily enough, I got my shot. Yeah, we're going to come on to those two um, loan trips out to Rochdale and Whitehaven. But what are you kind of thinking when you get found out there for a, a few weeks and playing a few games up there? Yeah, you just, you know, it's funny story really. I come in and I was, uh, I, I overslept uh, and Nathan Brown was like, right, well, you know, you dropped, you know, we had a, I think it was James Robey's testimonial or something like that. It was like, you're not playing. I was like, I was only, you know, I was only like 10 minutes late. And I remember sitting down with Kieran Cunningham and, and Nathan Brown in the office and there was like, Kieran Cunningham was saying, listen, if, you know, Nathan, if you're going to drop him, you know, James Robey's late next week, you know, you're going to have to do the same with him. And he was a bit like, yeah, you know, maybe not. He was like, yeah, yeah, but if Robes was late, he wouldn't drop him, would he? So I was like, anyway, so I was on my way then. I was on my way to Rochdale. We, we had a team do that night and I remember all the lads on the beers and I was playing for Rochdale. It was about, my, like I said, I played two I played two games for Rochdale, one for Whitehaven and for both, you know, both games snowing and it was about minus four. And yeah, I played really well for Rochdale and then I played, played okay for Whitehaven, but, I really enjoyed it, you know, obviously getting to play with different players and, and sort of having to prove myself that, you know, I, I am super, you know, super league level or whatever, and I didn't deserve to be dropped. I enjoyed it, but definitely a different experience and, and one that I'll always, I'll always remember. It was a tough period of time for, for St. Helens, mate. Obviously when Roy Simmons left and Nathan Brown came in, tell us about the difference in coaching between them two blocks. Yeah, it was a tough time for us. To be to be honest, we had a we had a few turbulent years there, didn't we? And yeah, Royce was brilliant. I think it's just because he was my first 
proper coach. I always had a, a soft spot for him, but he was proper old school and we had an aging team back then and, and players were moving on, players were coming in and he had a lot to deal with. And and then Brownie come in, who was, I think obviously we lost six, I think we lost like five or six games on bounce. And, uh, and then I think Nathan Brown come in after that, after a short period and he just rung the changes. It was, you know, things needed to change, not only our performances on the field, our attitude. And I think he did, a, he obviously did an amazing job at that, didn't he? You know, I ended up going on to a grand final later down the line. But yeah, there were two real contrasting coaches. And but I enjoyed, you know, I've, I've not got it's weird, really. I, I've not got any like, you know, I had feelings for for either of them. I really enjoyed playing under under Royce, and I was so sorry to see him go. And then same with Brownie, I, I really enjoyed being under him, but it, they were just both so different. And as a young lad, you just had to get used to that quick. You sort of couldn't say, oh, well. You know, we've lost Royce there. I'm, you know, feeling a bit upset, feel sorry for myself. I was sort of like, well, I've got to prove myself all, sort of not prove myself because I've never, I've not even proved myself to that point, but I sort of did a, a decent job. I was like, well, I've got to do the same again for Brownie or I'm on the way out. And luckily enough, I, I did. Yeah, mate, just looking at that season when Brownie came in, it took you until round 23 to even get into the top five, which is unheard of for St. Ellen's, really, mate. But also looking at that early season, you took over the kicking very briefly from Jamie Foster. Uh, growing up, were you always kind of a conversion kicker? Yeah, I've, been, I've always been in and out of kicking. You, uh, we've got a kick. We have got a real good kicking coach now, and it's probably the best I've ever been striking it in the career. You know, this moment in time. But that, but back then, it was just sort of I was an it and hopper. You know, it was sort of like you know Jamie Foz was unbelievable at kicking, and I did a bit in amateur, but never really. You know, you focus on your finishing or your sprinting or you know your carries. Kicking was never one of them for me. I never had a routine. I never had nothing. It was just sort of put the ball on the tee, you know, look where it goes, it goes over, you know, brilliant. And that's probably why I think, you know, my probably strike back then was pretty poor, but something I always, you know, enjoyed doing. I enjoyed the, enjoy the pressure and I sort of knocking them over and, and I still do today. So, yeah, it's another string to your bow as a winger as well. You know, it's always good to have a have a, a good kicker in, in your side and it when when someone goes down like Lockwin Coot or, you know, your max needs, if you lose them, you know, your main kickers, you always need a good backup and, I think I'm a, a decent number two. Took the words out of my mouth, mate. I was genuinely going to say it's another string to you, but especially for a winger. They say that in Australia as well, you always need a good goal-kicking winger, mate. So it's, mm-hmm. it's good to have. Going into that 2014 season, mate, you recruited very, very smartly in, in the uh, in the transfer market. Luke Walsh, Mossy Masoy and Kyle Amor for man and Jed's beloved Wakefield. He stole him off us. Um, three good, good signings there, mate, especially Luke Walsh, who pretty much turned the tide for you. Yeah, I didn't know you were both Wakey lads. That's, that's brilliant. Uh, yeah, we obviously got Kyle from Wakey. He was he was unbelievable for Wakefield, wasn't he? And uh, I think one we've you know has been so good for us when, when we signed him, Luke Walsh, and people like that. You know, you you try and build your team around them blokes, and you're a great forward, uh, Luke Walsh, who, who could control things. And we we certainly took advantage of that by signing them. And yeah, we sort of, like I said, we sort of went onwards and upwards from then and it felt like we were sort of building and uh, building a good side around them and, and everyone was fitting in the parts really well. So it's always good memories that year for me. It's sort of te- testing times, but it was sort of, we come, you know, like you said, I think we got into that top five, didn't we? And it was, it always felt it was rising from, from two, you know, 2000 and all, 2013, was it, when did you say 13? 2014, mate, 2014. 2014, yeah. So it was all, you know, the grand final wasn't inevitable, was it? But it always felt it was getting better and better. So especially the recruitment side of it. Definitely, mate. Looking at that 2014 side, out of the entire squad that season, 22 players came from the St. Ellen's uh, mm-hmm. development system, which is absolutely incredible, really, mate. 
um, you as yourself, obviously, being obviously, I know you're a Wiganer, but you came through the St. Helens uh, development system in, into kind of your third or fourth straight season. Did you feel like you were becoming a bit more of a, a leader in that changing room? Uh, yeah, I did, to be honest. Uh, like you said, I've sort of been adopted St. Helens. You know, I've been there now for, you know, well, then. And I've been there like about five or six years then, you know, obviously double that now. So, I, I, you know, obviously the more you get games, you know, they played quite a few games then as well. And, and people was leaving, you know, people was moving on to older players. And that's when you look around. I remember playing, a, it might have been London. I don't know. The, I think London, I think it was a London game down there end. And it was an all homegrown squad. We actually, I think the starting 13 was, was all uh, St. Helens lads. Uh, and I think there was only Fr- Franny. No, no, there was on, there was someone else on the bench, and he, you know, he, he was getting the nicky took out of him because there was only him from from New Zealand or Oz. I can't remember who it was, but it was that moment we sort of looked around and was like, you know, wow, you know, James Robbie's, Johnny Lomax's, and myself, and you know, people like that, Adam Swift. Uh, we were looking around and going, well, what, you know, we're all like sort of like being pushed to the next level now. You sort of like a leader, you know. Robes Robes has become the next, you know, captain leader. John Wilkin. Your Kieran's have left, your Longies have left, and people like that. We're sort of the next batch coming through, and and that's certainly how we felt. As as a player, in your personal opinion, did you feel like it helped being surrounded by players who had come through the same system together? Yeah, for sure. Even before that, you know, obviously going back, I don't like to go back, but even going going back then, the, the, one of the main reasons St. Allen's were so successful and and was like so appealing to everyone was because of the the youth system wasn't it I think it, you know you compare them to other teams they were just bringing young lads through you know through and through and through and it was sort of like well as a young lad it was I, I want to play for St. Helens because that's my best chance even though they're one of the best teams they're bringing all these young lads through and uh, it, it always felt like that to be honest it always felt like if you was playing well in the academy or the reserves you'd get your chance it, it wasn't one of these where overseas players whether they're playing if they're playing poorly which I know other clubs you know back then you know I've got mates and that was the same no matter what the young lads did they wouldn't get in but at Saints it was you know if, if, if you've got a winger there who's 17, 18 and, and he's playing well and he's playing better than his opposite he's going to get in so it always felt like that and it was sort of rewarding too I felt really rewarded at Saints and always got my chance exactly how it should be in my opinion you should always re- reward your youth coming through and, and they'll, they'll be there for many years like Saints has proven over time just um, touching on from before like Jamie said now you, you, you're transitioning more into a leadership you've been there for like five or six, six six years at this point were there any players when you were coming through who sort of like looked after you and sort of like and then as you grew to be a leader modelled their approach onto the new young players yeah, it was always Paul Wellens for me. It always, you know, it, I remember doing like a, an academy training session when I was, you know, 16. And he was always, he was always sort of like the bloke who'd take time to speak to you, made you feel at home, made you feel comfortable, you know, because going into that team, we used to have a thing called Jets, like the junior elite system. Every Wednesday, he was 15, 16, you got to train with all the older lads. Uh, sort of just holding tackle bags, bags getting knocked over and, and just doing all the all the rubbish jobs, you know, flinging dummy out passes in. But you were just buzzing to be there. And, and you know, your Paul Wellens, your John Wilkin, there was always a bloke who'd stop and give you a bit of time. You know, is there anything you need help with? You know, do you need a lift down to the gym or whatever? And and sort of when I come into the first team, it just stemmed from there, really. He was always sort of like a, a fa- you know a father figure, really. And, in, in that team for me and he always has been and it's great now that he's you know on the uh, on the coaching staff too because he's sort of like that with all the lads and he's a great input and, and obviously an absolute legend but yeah what you said about you know sort of that rubbing off on yourself it, 
it's, it's amazing when you get older, you sort of try and base yourself on the same. So now we've got, you know, young Jack Wellsby, people like that coming through, Louis Todd. You find yourself doing the same, you know, because you'll know yourself that, that clubs or our clubs, you know, there might be a player in the past who's who's like, you know, you know I might stay away from him because, you know, he, he doesn't really give me much, you, you know, he sees me a bit of a threat. I, I don't want to be that. I want to be that, you know, that player who who can go and speak to them young wingers and be like, you know what, lads, you know, keep going here, you know, do you need any help with with anything? If you've got any dramas, come to us. And and that's sort of how, how well was back then. I feel like that general approach, again, is another reason why Saints have been such um, a competitive and high-end team for, for so many. Ever I can remember, Saints have always been one of the best seasons because of that attitude that's clear to across all the players is one of the many reasons why. Just touching on yourself in this 2014 particular season, I mean, you got 29 games in, uh, 29 tries in 31 games. That's that's some strike rate. Um, you was unfortunately knocked out of the Challenge Cup by Leeds, but you you won the League Leaders' Shield that year. Um, defeated Castleford 41-0 and Catalans 30-12 in the playoffs before coming against Wigan at Old Trafford. What were your thoughts of that season? Then, do you felt after this season such a prolific strike rate? Did you feel like you'd finally made your mark on the competition? Yeah, that was it then, you know, 2014. I, n- I never thought about England before or anything like that. You know, any internet. I played, a bit, I played the England Knights in 12 or 13. It was nowhere near. You know, I, was, I wasn't good enough. I, I played pretty poor against Samoa in a warm-up game and I just felt miles away. But then in 14, you know, I was playing really, really well and thought, you know what, I might, you know, I might get a shot at England this year or something like that, you know. But obviously, over my head, you, know, you score 29 tries, you're like, you know, I'm playing really well and what have you, but... It wasn't to be. I was still way off, you know. That sometimes in your own head, you start believing things. And but yeah, I had I had a great year, and, and it was certainly an enjoyable one. I think, like you said, twenty nine tries in in thirty odd games, and to finish it with a grand final, it was it was definitely memorable. And then even more memorable that that grand final against Wigan, Old Trafford, over seventy thousand fans, and obviously you end up going on and winning the game fourteen six, and you even bagged in the final as well. Um, the, that final, unfortunately, is, is a little bit more memorable for that infamous Ben Fowler moment. Um, yeah. What do you remember about that game, and what do you remember about that moment? Yeah, first few minutes. That's that's what strikes my mind. Wigan were sort of favourites. Their team was stacked when it. it was it was really really good. They were they were coming into form. We was we played brilliant, but you know we we knew Wigan were dangerous, and it was one of them games what could have gone either way. And, and yeah, when when Ben Flower did that, you sort of it's a weird one because they go down to twelve men, but it, the performance picks up, and then you you like subconsciously are like, well, we should win this, and then in your red, your performance goes down. I think if you remember, we had Mark Flanagan in the in the halfbacks with you know you know Paul Wellings. I moved to fullback, you know, a centre back rows got shifted to centre, and it was all over the shot. We wasn't. You know, it was just clock watching that game. You know, make your moments count. Do do all the basics in your right moments. But yeah, when we got in front, when I scored that try, it was it was amazing. But it was just clock watching from then on. It was like the longest. 30, I think it was thirty. I always remember scoring on sixty-seven minutes, and yeah, it was a long, long thirteen minutes that. I bet there were some good celebrations after the game. I mean, I, I know some members of your family will have been a little bit disappointed because you did obviously beat um, their beloved Wigan, but. How did you feel after the game on top of the world, I'm presuming? And then on top of that, obviously, you got Super League Dream Team as well. I mean, pretty much a perfect year for you. Yeah, it just couldn't get, you couldn't write it, could you? I was, I was just buzzing, obviously, to to be there in 2011, lose it, uh, and then finally get there three years later, three or four years later on and, and win it, score a try, and then getting your dream team, what you've, what you've always dreamed about. You know, when, when I was young, I used to go to Old Trafford with me, with me dad, watching Wigan and, and Saints and all the big games and 
to finally be there, it was it was magic. And yeah, the, the dream team certainly capped it off. So yeah, memorable one and, and, and still one to this day that I always look back at with, with good memories. My, my daughter was born that year as well. So it was just, it was it was like as years go, you know, if, Cal, if Carlsberg did years, that was, that was one for me. You come off the back of that then, that's, you know, almost sort of a dream year, like you say, and moving into 2015, Nathan Brown returns to Australia for family reasons. And obviously, Kieran Cunningham, club legend, takes his place. So tell us a bit about, you know, that transition, kind of what changed at the club and what it was like for you kind of being involved in that. Yeah, it was, it was really hard for Kaz, I think, obviously, coming in after a grand final year, being a, such a club legend as well. It was, it was, it, it was sort of like, written in the stars really that it was always going to, you know, it was never going to end well, even though we all thought it was before it began. And he was such an amazing coach, an amazing bloke as well. And we just didn't perform for him. It was one of them years I think we might have took, you know, well, for a few years, we took our foot off the gas maybe thinking that, you know, we're the best team after winning it. But, you know, we couldn't be more wrong really. Been a, f- a few injuries and a few to keep personnel. It was, yeah, from a dream year, it sort of went to disaster pretty quick. And yeah, some... Obviously, we have, you know, luckily in my career, I've had so many great, great years and, and great memories. But, you know, then 15 and 16 for me, it, you know, I always look at them as, as if like, you know, them, them my years what sort of define me. And But they were terrible. They were, they were tough, tough years for me. and my, not, not just me, the people, you know, my family who had to live with me because I went through some pretty tough, tough, dark places as well. So, yeah, it was pretty, pretty hard. It started off really well, didn't it, that transition? You know, you start off with six consecutive wins and it kind of flying, so... What you kind of put that drop off down, you know, for the club and obviously yourself as well, like you're saying, it was a difficult time. Yeah, it was just tough. I remember starting off really well. I was playing really good. Like I said, I think I got a, a quite high tries early on in the year and, and we was flying, we was going really well. And yeah, I, you know what, still to this day, I can't put my finger on what, what happened. We got a few key injuries and, you know, I got injured, but that's not key, you know, winger. But I mean, we had a few big big losses there in the middle and in the halves and what really rattled us and, and then things things sort of spiral from then on don't they and, and when the pressure gets on and, and that's what happened uh, that year really it was uh, like I said it was a pretty disappointing one on all accounts I think we went out of the Challenge Cup in semis didn't we again or was it quarters uh, and then obviously yeah it was, it was just poor from then on Yeah I guess it kind of first started to derail a little bit in the, the World Club Challenge against South Sydney Rabbitohs, you lose, you lose 39-0 against yeah. a team that's containing the likes, you know, English, Keary, Reynolds and Luke. So, uh, what's that game like, being involved? Obviously, it's a, a heavy loss and it's a, a bit of a shock after a decent start, like we said. Yeah, I was awful. Uh, it was terrible. I remember playing, it was pouring down. We thought, you know, things are in our favour here. They just come and they were just ruthless. You know, they won their the competition last year and they obviously wanted to kick on. We were just in a sort of a different mindset. We just wasn't ready for a big game like that, even though obviously it's a World Cup challenge and you should be. But yeah, we got absolutely blew away and it's one that I'll never forget. It was, uh, you know, it was a, it was an awful day. It was. I always remember him scoring and there was like, they, were, they was sort of laughing at us saying, how easy is this? And, you know, you're meant to be half decent, you lot, and you basically crap and, yeah, it was tough, mate. It was it was always a, a tough moment in my career that looking back on them games, getting absolutely battered and, you know, sort of being helpless as well because playing poor, uh, I, you know, I, I was playing poor too. So you, it's one of them, you can't do nothing. You've just sort of got to grim and bear it and up the good times, come back through. 
what are you going into that game kind of thinking? Are you know, thinking you're going to make a game of it and have a chance to turn them oh, over? And then how does it turn out the way it did? It's oh, win. You're thinking win, aren't you? Like we were thinking win. We was like the good, but World Cup challenge. We won it last year. We can beat these. And then I think after 20 minutes, we're like flipping 18, 20 odd nil down, and it was like, oh well, maybe not. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was tough. It was tough. Honestly, it was uh, it went nice. And obviously in that season, you have a two or three months out, but you, you still managed to finish top point scorer and, and top try scorer for the season. So I mean, obviously don't look back on that year too fondly, but kind of wasn't the worst in terms of numbers, was it? No, in terms of numbers, it wasn't too bad. But yeah, like like you said, it was a, had quite a, quite a big injury in that year. It hurt my ankle that year. I was out for about three months and, and to come back and still do okay, was, was it's always good. But yeah, it's on a collective, it was a... Yeah, it wasn't the best year for the club, and you know it's one I look at, you know, with heavy heart really, because like you said, you want you want to be as successful as you can. You know, you know it doesn't come it doesn't come natural. You can't win things all the time, but yeah, certainly fifteen and sixteen for me, there was uh, yeah, all, not fond memories. Sort of the opposite, it was all bad memories. Yeah, I guess jumping forward a little bit into kind of twenty fifteen, and now you've already mentioned when Paul Wellens retired and handed the captaincy over to John Wilkin. Obviously, that was. Mm-hmm another massive transition so kind of what was that like for yourself in the club and what was that kind of handover like yeah you, so, you don't really think about things at the time do you obviously we lost a legend in in Paul and and, and give it to another legend in, in Wilco and yeah back then it, it was nothing but it's only now you sort of realise what an impact you know a legend like Paul Wellens has in it we, you know he was coming to the back end of his career you know performance wise and he you know he couldn't go any couldn't go any more with his, with his hip and but just having him around the place, you know, being in the squad was amazing with his experience and what have you. And just to just to lose him was 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 a massive, you know, blow for the club. But it was just like you said, it was such, such challenging times for for a great club with all these legends. You know, slowly everything changing, and you sort of don't realise at the time. But you know, the older you get and, and you look back on times, you know, it, it makes you realise it's like Leeds. You know, when obviously Leeds have. Of, of one and one and one with all these legends, Rob Burrow, Kevin Sinfield, Buchanan, Kylie Lewis. You know, at the time, you wouldn't look around and think, oh, well, you know, we're going to go through a slump at one stage because all these legends are going to leave. You don't think like that. You just think you can you can go and go and go. But life's not like that, is it? It's, it, it gets tough. And, and, and we really did it tough them two years. And uh, it, it was only when Justin Albrook came in and, and started to, to turn things around that, you know, it was on the up and, I'd like to think we're in the middle of, you know, that successful period now. You personally, when obviously you lose Paul then kind of halfway through the season, does that make you take on kind of even more responsibility and even more of a bigger role to try and kind of help fill that void a bit? It does. And it, but I feel in two years, I, you know, it was a real tough time with, with injuries. I did my ankle, did my ankle again in the semi-final, did my ACL in, in 2000, you know, you know, jumping forward, did my ACL the year after. And it was just sort of like went into me. You're just going to sh- into your shell when you're not playing and you're not playing well. You know, you, you get found out, and it's sort of like, well, you know, how can I how can I improve? How can I make my performances better? How can I help the team? And it's it's difficult. You sort of find yourself, you know, not being as vocal, not leading by example, not not doing things you're usually doing. Yeah, like I said, it turned into a into a tough two years for for us all, not not only on a personal level but as a collective as well. Tommy, in, in, in this season, we've had Tom Johnson and Aidan Caesar on the podcast. They've both separately had ACL injuries at points in their career. Uh, Tom Johnson explained to us how he, he really suffered with his mental health when he had an ACL injury, but Aidan Caesar just kind of saw it as the process and he worked through it and got to a certain point almost in a robotic process. 
how do you deal with it? Obviously, you were bang in the middle of your career at that point, arguably coming into your peak. How did you deal with it? Obviously, you only managed eight games that season. Yeah, it was tough. It's it's the worst in, it's the worst injury I, I feel that you can that you can do. And you know, Tom and Aiden will tell you that the, the rehab, you sort of straight from the scan and, and from you, you know it's not like other injuries where, you know, it's rugby league's a long season and it's where you're out for three months, there's always light at the end of the tunnel. You know, when I did you know, when I did mine, uh, it was sort of like, well, you know, you're out for nine months, you know, nine to twelve months now, and you're sort of like, well, you know, you can you can get forgotten about quite quickly in this sport because you know it's such a an amazing game, but there's always someone else coming through and and some someone performing well. And yeah, no, no wonder you're going to going to a, you know, a dark place. And and Tom, you know, Tom Johnson can tell you tell you that as well. And I was very similar, but sort of in between. I, for the first few months in rehab, it was just a it was just a slog. I didn't really want to go into training. I felt like you know, can I really get back to get back to my best? Because all you hear is the research telling you that well. You know, you can't really get back to where, you know, you're meant to be. But that's the thing of the past now, I think. For me, it was, you know, halfway through, I sort of see it as as a sort of a setback, but one what can make me a better player for. And all, all the training that I did, you know, getting stronger, fitter, faster every single day, aiming for for different targets. And it, it, was, diff, it was difficult, man. For the first few months, I sort of was like, you know, sulked about it. What can I do? This might be the end of me. And then sort of turned it into a bit of a positive and said, well, you know what, let's flip this on its head. Let's try and become, you know, something that I wasn't before this injury. And, and yeah, the sort of the rest is history, sort of speak again, sort of put all the bad behind me and, and try to, to become the best again. If 2021 Tommy could speak to 2016 Tommy, what would you tell him, mate, to get over this, uh, to get over this dark day? Just that everything's going to be, everything will be okay. You know, there's more important things as well, isn't there? Like I thought in 2000, you know, how old I was, 25 or whatever. I just thought that was a be all and end all. Like, you know yourself, lads, there's, there's rugby leagues our lives in it. But at the end of the day, like you had a family, friends and, and people who care more about me than Tommy Makerson, the rugby player. You know, and, 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 if that, and if Tommy Makerson didn't, you know, the rugby player didn't come back and and be successful, like, you know, it, you know, we gave it a good shot, didn't we? And, and, and there's been there's brighter times ahead, and, and that's for every rugby player, you know. So, some people make it, some people don't, do you? But it, it is what it is. We've all got to stay positive, help, help each other out, and and do what we can. And, and luckily enough for me, Touchwood, I was that fella who who come out and, and managed to do all right from it. And but there's, there's you hear so many stories about people who who go the the opposite way, and yeah, I, it sort of made me appreciate what I did every day as well. Sort of going into training where you know. Pre-Tommy 2016, you know, no injuries, rocking into training. You know, do I want to do that? Why do I want to be in training? You know, let's just play. Let's just have a laugh. Well, no, let's, you know, Tommy after that, it was, well, let's go training. Let's do it proper. Let's make sure I don't get injured. Let's do everything I can. You know, if it, if it finishes tomorrow, let's do everything I can to enjoy today. And and that's sort of been my outlook from then on in. Great words, mate. Really interesting. Um, like you said, going into 2017, started really tough for Kieran Cunningham. He ended up being relieved of his duties after only four wins in the first 14 games. But in came Justin Albrook. He had a really big name and, and popular bloke down under and worked under Trent Robinson at the Sydney Roosters. His first game in charge of it, all FC 45-0, and then went on to a, a really good uh, run in the league and ended up just losing out to a Luke Girl drop goal in the playoffs. Tell me about his coaching strategy, mate, because he seemed to turn the club around instantly. Yeah, you know what? His coaching strategy wasn't too different to Kieran's. You know, Kieran was all about keeping it, you know, exciting, keeping playing 
you know, playing good rugby and, and things like that. Just it was it's one of them, you, you know, you know yourself, it's such a fine fettle in in rugby league, isn't it? You know, it's you know, one or two wins, one or two bounces of a ball go don't go your way. And and you're on the back of a couple of losses, and then obviously the pressure of the fans, they you know, they want to see wins and wins and wins and it can't just, you know, it can't happen like that. But, you know, sadly, they relieved Kieran of his duties and and Justin came in with, obviously, a great name under Trent. And, yeah, he was he was magic for us, but only because just it was a freshen up, you know, we'd had so much thinking so negative and, and worrying about the coach, you know, worrying about, you know, you know, we're responsible for the coach's job at the end of the day. The coach isn't going on the pitch, you know, catching balls for us and, and, and spilling possession and what have you, handing the ball over on, on tackle one, which we was doing. You know, and he doesn't do that. And we were all feeling that pressure. And, and then obviously Justin came in and, and he was just like, listen, lads, like, just take the shackles off here. You know, you, you're all in a, in a really negative place when, you know what, there's no need to be. Just go out there and enjoy it. You know, if we get beat, we get beat, but we play the way we want to play. And he sort of just give us black and white. Well, this is how we want to play. This is this is who we are. This is how we train. This is, we're fit. You know, we want to be fitter than everyone else. We want to be faster than everyone else go and just play the game and, and it just it made us all feel so fresh and wanting to and, and bear in mind as well when a new coach comes in you, you pick up 5-10% on you straight away you know I remember that old game you know people were running past each other you know jumping on loose balls which you, we wasn't doing before he went you know when Kieran was here because you get comfortable just didn't come in and we was just you know we was all just absolutely everyday training you know our asses off and I think that whole game spoke for itself. Then he forty-five nil against a good Hull side. It was just sort of wow, blew him away. Definitely, mate. And I think that twenty seventeen season must have been having a, a red circle for you, mate, because it was the World Cup at the end of the year down under. Yeah, definitely. It was always a target of mine coming into, like you said, the sort of coming into that peak. At, you know, sort of all the way up to where I am now. Was I wanted to be involved in a World Cup and. Yeah, that was bang on my list, and and sadly, you know, wasn't wasn't on that plane, and it it was an hard one to take. But I just I thoroughly enjoyed that year under under Justin. He, he sort of just I think that's when my you know I really look back at my career and think, well, you know, this is the moment. I sort of was like, you know, I come back from an ACL. It was you know trained you know trained my ass off. Justin came in, and you know he sort of turned not my game around, but he gave me that extra bit of confidence to to sort of go right. This is who I want to be, and this is what player I want to be, and. I like to think that, you know, to this day, I, I carry that on. After not getting on that plane towards me, did that sort of leave you with a point to prove then? You wanted to, to push yourself and you wanted to be getting in that England jersey then? Yeah, but it was it was sort of a reality check as well because I was playing really, really good, but I just had some great players ahead of me. I had Ryan Hall and Jermaine McGilvery. You know what I mean? It was like, what do you do? I, I'm not the best. I'm not in the best two wings in the, in the league. And I was playing really well, but I wasn't at their level. You know, and, and them are two absolute quality wingers. And it was sort of like, well, what do I have to do? And Justin was like that. Well, what do you have to do to get to their level? It, to, for, to play for your country, you're going to have to overtake one of them. And, and and that ain't no easy job. You know, Jermaine's been doing it for you know, 12, 15 years. He's absolute class. Still is. And the same with Ryan Hall. And I made a few changes in my game where I thought I could stand out and try and try and earn my way into an England cap. And slowly but surely, Justin and all the staff Help me do that with my own performances, and and obviously at the end of the day, the club, you're playing at a great club in St. Helens that you know you, you're getting noticed and, and you're winning every week, so it made life a lot easier. I feel like your attitude towards the approach, mate, is why that you eventually obviously did get there, but we'll touch on that slightly later on. 
Coming to the 28th season, that was a real kickstart, though, where St. Helens are now starting to get to back to the, the St. Helens that we'd all know. And came Benny Barber, James Roby took over the captaincy, and the team were absolutely on fire. I mean, two losses all season in the regular campaign with, with 23 wins overall. What clicked that season? Did you all just sort of look around and thought, this is us, we're back. This is We're playing the rugby we want to play, that just in a, a, a instilled in us. And you're just enjoying yourselves, it seemed. Oh, it was it was it was mad that year. Like uh, it was everything was going right. I think that you know numbers wise, on a personal level, I think I, I scored like three that year or four, like the worst I've ever done in my career. But I was playing really, really. I was playing really, really good. It was just one of them years. What was like we were we were scoring through the middle. You know, we we had a real mint left edge, and me and Kev, you know, we were just enjoying ourselves with my first year with with Kev as well. And it was just like, it, it was it was enjoyable, you know what I mean? It just proper, proper enjoyed playing and, and just didn't instill that in us. Every week we was going out wanting to play. I remember we had some right tussles with, with you know, your Castlefords, Warringtons, and you just wanted to beat him. And, 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 he, and he just instilled that in you, Justin. It was always enjoyable going out doing it for him. And we made games, you know, turning our favour by playing high energy rugby. And, and, and that's, you know, in the end what got us... Uh, Obviously, all the way to the end until we, until we, we fell short at the end, which is another story, in it? But up until that point, it was really good. I said, you won the League Leaders' Shield and you said numbers-wise might not have been the best, but you're clearly doing something right, mate, because you got the Super League Dream Team for a second time. And then, then as you mentioned, it ended dismally, unfortunately. Um, a Challenge Cup semi-final surprise defeat to Catalan, 35-16. And then another surprise defeat in the in the playoff semis to Warren in eighteen thirteen. What happened to, to fall short? I mean, it generally seemed like there was absolutely no stopping you, and both them results were real shocks. What happened in them them games? Do you think? Yeah, I got mixed up then. Actually, it wasn't my first year with Kev. That was nineteen. It was Ryan Morgan won it in in uh, two thousand eighteen. Justin's second year. Uh, yeah, we were just, uh, it was mad, wasn't it? We saw it with the bridesmaids, weren't we? It's, it's so many times we were so, it was just embedded in our in our DNA that, you know, against Catalan, we was expected to win. And, and, and we just didn't turn up and got beat, battered, to be honest. They just give it us and, and obviously they got beat. And then it was it Warrington in the semi. Yeah, mate. It was just, it was just you know, semi-finals. They just did something to us ever since that Catalan game. It was sort of like, you know, we're in another big game here. Where are we going? Where are we going wrong? What are we doing? And we got beat twice. And it was only obviously the year after we changed that. And we had, we had to do some soul searching, to be honest. It was like, why are we getting beat in these big games? Because we can we usually produce it in, you know, obviously a Warrington or a Wigan all year. We've been producing in these, you know, big games. But when it got to the extra big ones, we were coming short. And yeah, we had to do some sort of, you know, proper looking around and, and sort of find ourselves where we were at. And, Luckily enough, we sorted it, but yeah, it was uh, it was some tough times after that. It was especially after that semi, and then moving on to the other the, the Challenge Cup semi. Sorry, and then at the end of the year, losing two semis, it was yeah, it was gut wrenching. Do you think it, um, a bit of it could be fact that the 2014 team that won a lot of them players had left now, and a lot of the experienced heads had left? Do you think it was a lack of experience in them big crucial games that that eventually led to that sort of defeats? Do you think? Maybe, yeah. We had a lot of young lads as well in the side. You know, we had young Danny coming through, Richardson, who was, who was, I think it was his dream team year, was it? He was he was playing great. We were just we just struggled, didn't we? Like you said, just maybe a lack of experience in there, but who knows? We just we just couldn't get over the line and it was it was frustrating. It really was. Does that age old saying that you've got to lose one to win one? And obviously that came to fruition a couple of years later, mate. Um, but that's it, that season obviously a bit back to England. Um, you was finally got got your jersey for England. 
off the back of a brilliant few seasons. You got picked for all four internationals in the, in the 2018 season, all against New Zealand. Um, you made your debut on the 24th of June in a 36-18 win off the bench under Wayne Bennett, and you even managed to score, mate. I mean, you talked me them that that through. First of all, getting the phone call that you've been picked, then getting that you're going to play, and then obviously coming on playing, winning, and, and bagging. It's just sort of a whirlwind, really, from not playing to to going to all that. Yeah, it was it was mad, really. We we, we had a few beers after a St. Helens game, and uh, I think we had a ten day turnaround, and we was playing Leeds. Uh, sort of a few days before we flew to Denver from a debut and sort of got the call that, you know, I'd be playing against Leeds and then you'd be on sort of a plane to Denver the morning after. And it was like, you know, to make me England, well, I didn't know that I made me debut. I was part of like a 20 man, 20 odd man squad going to Denver. It was sort of all your dreams come true, don't they? You know, after missing out for, for three or four years, thinking that, you know, you might get a shot and then to finally being included in, in, in Wayne Bennett's of all people's squad, it was... It was magic, and then obviously moving on to to the back end of the year to to get a chance to play all these big games, these proper big tests. You know, obviously we took that to Denver, but we we played through a test series against New Zealand. It just doesn't don't come any bigger, does it? To to play against them guys, and yeah, they were just so memorable, and, and managed to play my best rugby as well in all them. So all good memories for sure. And and Wayne, uh, to to get coached under Wayne Bennett as well, what a legend, and and what a different person he is under. You know, you, you hear all this stuff and you read all this stuff about what he's like, but when you actually get coached by him and and how respectful and how much of a, a great fella and how much he cares about his players, it you know, it, it, it makes you feel important as well. So it was it was nice for us to to get the chance of that. You just uh, I sort of already answered my next question. I was just going to ask him ask what was it like being under Wayne Bennett, and obviously, but you you pretty much answered it there. What what sort of things surprised you the most? Obviously, you hear so many stories about him. He's one of the most famous coaches of all time. Mm-hmm. What sort of surprised you the most being coached by him? Yeah, just just obviously has this big like aura around him, doesn't he? That you know you think he wouldn't be sort of approachable. And and from from minute one, he, he sort of keeps you you know when you're making your debut or if he doesn't know you, he keeps you at arm's length. But he just how much he cares about his players, you know, he cares about your welfare, he cares about on the field, he cares about what you're doing off the field, you know. And still to this day, you know, you speak to him and you know he asks how he is, and and obviously don't even play for him no more. He just just the relationship he has with his players, he he just you know. Safe going over it and over it. He, he just cares. He cares about his lads and he wants the best for you on and off the field. And that sort of, he puts faith in you. You know what I mean? That that test series, he put faith in me. Where I remember being in a, a week before the game, uh, I was injured against France and didn't play. And Simon Lift, uh, sort of uh, seven days before the first test, he was like, You're playing my first, you know, your first test. I've got confidence in you. I want you to play. And I was sort of like flipping heck, like that's Wayne Bennett in lift just before I go to bed telling me that I'm you know, going to make my test debut. And he was like, I just trust you, mate. Like, I know that you're going to play well. And I was obviously like really nervous. And I was like, Wayne Bennett's telling me I'm going to, I'm going to play well here. So he, he knows his rugby players. He's coached flipping, you know, he's coached Darren Lockyer and flipping Mal Meninga, people like that. Like, you know, Tom makes, and if he says he's going to play well, he's, he's going to do all right. And he so he sort of he, he sort of just put faith in me and was like, I sort of I couldn't let him down. You know, I couldn't I couldn't let him down. And he's sort of that coach. Just everything what you hear about him, you know, don't read, you know, don't believe what you read because he is an absolute legend and, and, and one coach that I always remember throughout my career. He's, in, he's sort of famed for his like man management and, and known as being a father figure to so many players and everything you've said there sort of absolutely back, backs that up and I, I bet you're definitely pinching yourself after he said that you're going to play well and when you saw him in the lift mate that's, that's what it is you hit the nail on the head man management that was the word I'm looking for like his, his man management was yeah the best ever 
you know, similar to Justin. Justin was a, a great man manager. He knew how to deal with players. He knew he knew how to pick you up. He knew he, he knew how to put you down. And yeah, he he always kept you in a good spot. And you know, happy you know, happy bunch of lads are going to play the best rugby, aren't they? And, and that's surely what we did. Totally true, mate. And just coming quickly against New Zealand, two two prong question. What was it like playing against them as a team and where do they rank against the teams that you've played and, and what was it like to face the hacker? Yeah, good. Obviously, uh, the first time you face the hacker, it's like sort of, uh, you know, obviously the the massive lads, aren't they? And you're like flipping heck and you're sort of a bit intimidated and then you sort of have, you know, James Graham, John Bateman, you know, side of you just getting ready to rip heads off and you're like, Flipping neck, I best you know, I best get ready for this because it's gonna it's gonna go off. This you sort of just got inspiring people around you, weren't you? You know, you've Sam Burgesses, John Batemans, James Graham, James Robies. You sort of look around you and go, well, there's no way I'm letting my mate down today. You know, you know what I mean. I think that's what it does, and and that's a similar passion we have at Saints. You know, you, you can't let your mate down. You work hard, and uh, and that's what the coaches instilled in us, and and it's, it's it still is. So, but facing the Acker was it was daunting. But you know, when you've got your mates at the side of you and you're going into a big game, you just don't want to let anyone down, and you're ready. You're ready to go. And and, and for uh, answer your first one, as a team, one of the best. You face some great, great teams. You face the Roosters and obviously a few international teams, uh, and New Zealand are well up there. They just they hit hard. You know, they stick and they throw a lot of shape at you and, and are all quick. That that international rugby is just that next level and. Yeah, hopefully looking forward to, to playing uh, a few times more yet and hopefully in a World Cup at the end of the year. On that series in, in 2018, you end up winning it 2-1. You know, you edged the first couple with two pretty tight games and it's a bit of a lopsided defeat in the third one. But how big an achievement was that kind of coming out the, the right side of that? Yeah, massive. a bit of a luck England team as well, I think. Well, well, for me it was anyway, probably with me being in it and a few different faces in and amongst it and people were sort of questioning in the press, you know, how is this England team going to fare? Is it up to the level of New Zealand's or whatever? And it was, you know, it was better than them. Then the first two games, they were tight games, weren't they? And, you know, we certainly played really well. And uh, people in different positions, I think, you know, Sam Tompkins within the halves, wasn't he? You know, you know Johnny at fullback and, and different things like that. And we had a few players out. Sam Burgess obviously missed missed it with injury. And there was a few questions whether we'd do well. And, yeah, we, we lived up to, to our nation's name, didn't we? And, and we got the win, 2-1. That last game was a bit of a blowout, but I think it was all, uh, I think it was a long few weeks, wasn't it? And it, it sort of got the better of us and, and they only put a good performance in. And, but yeah, it was a, certainly an enjoyable uh, six-week, put it that way. On a, a personal note as well, you, you bagged yourself a hat-trick at Anfield in the second test. So how good a day was that? And you know, how was that experience of scoring three in, in front of, I imagine, all your family and friends up there as well? Yeah, sort yeah. of. Sort of. As a red letter, that's definitely up there, isn't it? I think everything I did that day just turned to gold. It was, you know, got two walking, made some great, you know, defensive plays, you know, diving on balls, saving tries here, there and everywhere. It was just one of them games, you know, where, you know, we've all played in games where things go wrong and you're like, what's happening here? It's just not my day, is it? Well, I just thought I went into that game with a lot of confidence and, you know, it, it, it sort of prevailed and, and played really well. And obviously to get that, to get the winner in the last minute was, was pretty special and, like I said, that uh, it was a good night. After that, I can't remember much of it. Like, but it was uh, it was a good night with uh, family, friends, and my teammates. Uh, obviously, to win the series as well. Uh, knowing we wrapped that up, it was uh, it just don't come better. You know, as a kid, all I wanted to do was, was play a few games, and you know, at the end of that year, I'd managed to obviously win a test series for England for my country. So yeah, it was pretty emotional as well. 
off the back of that as well, you, you end up winning the, the golden boot for your, for your international performances. Uh, kind of how big an accolade was that for you? And also, I kind of mentioned the, the pelters in the Aussie media where they kind of quoted us saying Tommy Who. So, how did you react to that as well off the back of it? It was, it was, it was good, really. I enjoyed it, obviously. They changed it in the end, best international player and what have you. And I didn't care. I went to the awards night thinking, you know, I'm not going to win this. You know, it's going to be a, a two of Archishek or, you know, Tedesco or whatever. And, you know, we all rocked up there and, and then they read my name out and it was just, you know, a blur from then on in. But yeah, we talk about international performances. Australia didn't play hardly much that year, did they? I think they played one test or whatever. And uh, yeah, I played really well and, and something that, you know, I won't sort of tar it with a bad brush saying that, you know, didn't or didn't they deserve a golden boot or whatever you know they give me the golden boot and it'll be next to my name for the rest of my life so it, it was positive for me one I loved and uh, it was funny because I went I went over to Australia at the end of that year and uh, and spoke to a couple of clubs and and they were sort of like you know the you know the media was so you know they just want their players to win it obviously Tedesco and you two of Archishek's and as soon as someone from England wins it they're a bit you know they're a bit fuming over it but it is what it is, isn't it? Look, there's, like I said, there's no, there's no sort of negative in my mind. I was just buzzing that I got a bit of an accolade and and one I can show my kids. You know, when I when I retire and the grandkids, it'd be nice. Yeah, like like you say, whatever the kind of stuff is surrounding it, you can kind of never take your name away from that. So where's it kind of rank in your list of sort of accolades to you? Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's one of the best. That that 2018 was just magic. Made me test it. Made me test debut. You know, we had, our, you know, our second little girl, me, me and the missus, and uh, that was in June. Played, you know, my test debut not long after that, won an international series, played well for Saints, got and then finished off with a golden boot. Like, again, it's not a bad year, is it? So I was just, I was just buzzing and, and, and really excited for the future because I felt, I sort of felt that year as well, that I, I sort of gained more confidence as well because I, I sort of knew, I've done it at this level now, well, I can take that back into the league and prove that I am one of the... Uh, one of the better players or what have you, whatever that may be. And it definitely did my confidence a lot of good. You mentioned as well, off the back, like you kind of went to Australia and spoke to a couple of clubs out there. So how close was anything to kind of actually formulating and how far ahead did you get with all of that? Yeah, it was It was really far ahead to be honest. I went out, out there, it was something I always wanted to do. Uh, and obviously 26, 27 at the time, I was like, right, this could be a good move for me and my family and went over there and met four or five different clubs and, and spent a month there. And James Graham was in Canada, so I, I just rang him. And, I always remember speaking to him at England, was like, listen, I'm going to uh, to Oz at the end of the year. He, you know, he's, do you know anywhere I can stop? And he just brought his keys and he was like, oh, I'm not in, so you can stop there if you want. I was like, how good is this? So I stopped at James play, Graham's place, had his car and everything. So it was slipping brilliant. A nice little holiday and while going around chatting to a few clubs and, yeah, nothing came of it. In the end, I obviously decided to stay to stay at St. Helens and, and commit my, you know, my future there, which was again another proud moment. It was I was sort of tied in between what to do, and yeah, so I just made made my mind up that, you know, it was here where I wanted to be for the time being. Is that kind of always been a dream to kind of play over there? And is that something you might kind of re-explore in the next few years or so? Yeah, so I, I, I wasn't sure really. It was something I wanted to do then, and I think as you get a bit older and, and family and stuff, it, it sort of gets, you know, a bit further and further away. But like, like I said, you don't know what the future holds, do you? I've not got long left at Saints now, and uh, and obviously 
you know, when the time comes, I'll be exploring the options again. But like, I, what I will say is that, you know, St. Helens is a club what's given me everything. You know, they've given me my testimonial. I've been here for 10, 12 years and it's somewhere I play my best. It's somewhere what I enjoy going to work every single day. They look after your family, they look after your friends. And it's an, the amazing people of the town as well. So for a, for a place, you know, what always see, you know, the NRL seems fantastic, doesn't it? The grass is, you know, the grass ain't always greener. I love my time here at St. Helens and and we'll see what the future holds type of thing. You know what I mean? I, I'm one of them, me. I've always been, never planned too far ahead. You know, you see players and they'll be like, well, in two years I'm going to the NRL and then bank, they've gone to the NRL. But I've always been one of them. You know, if, you, if you're playing well, you're playing well. I've always concentrated on the next game. If I play well, next game, next game after that, everything will look after itself and, and you see where you end up, don't you? So I've been pretty lucky in my career. Coming into the present day, mate, 2019, everything seemed to click for you that season. 52 points in the league. Uh, obviously, a little bit happened with Ben Barber. He ended up leaving. Lachlan Coote came in. You won the league leaders. Uh, you won the grand final against Salford. You, you just came up short in the Charles Cup final. But tell us about that season as a whole. Oh, oh, very close to a perfect season, mate. Yeah, it was class, to be honest. It was. Uh, we were playing some great rugby. Obviously under Justin as well. It was Justin's coming into Justin's last year, wasn't it? And we sort of knew halfway through that year he was he was leaving and we wanted to make it extra special. That grant that uh, challenge cup final killed us. It really did. It was sort of like we got over the semi-final, we got to a final and you know, we blew it again. And I remember sitting on the coach on the way home to to St. Helens from London, like having a real hard conversation not me, but obviously the, the leaders of our club, you know, James Robies and Johnny Lomax's, Alex Warms is myself being like where do we go from here? What do we need to do to, to change this around? How do we how do we turn this club from getting to finals to winning finals? And yeah, we had a real hard chat and a good direction where we wanted to go. And, and and we finished that season off really successfully, you know, obviously winning the grand final, sending Justin off. And it was a real success for me, obviously on a personal level as well. Getting the top try scorer that year, you know, having a real good year and one I certainly enjoyed. Superb stuff, mate. Like you said, top try scorer. You even got the top meter maker as well in Super League, three thousand eight hundred and three meters. I did, I did research that down to the uh, decimal nice. point as well, mate. Uh, you entered the dream team as well for the third time. But you know, coming out of that, we come into twenty twenty and the pandemic hits, COVID hits, and everything as well. Obviously, the entire globe is affected. How did that hit you personally? Obviously, you got a young family. You, you, coming into your pomp in, in St. Helens, you're in a fantastic club, but just tell us about that period of time last year. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. It was, we was, you know, it was, it was tough in it. It was tough for everyone, but we sort of flipped on it. I said, you know, what you said there, we're a fantastic club at St. Helens, you know, people are doing it so tough. You know, how many people out there losing the jobs, flipping, you know, can't do nothing, stuck in their houses, you know, a lot worse off than, than we are you know, family-wise, you know, club-wise, all the facilities we get to use. And yeah, it was it was just a sort of a sort of a period of reflection for us where we wasn't playing, wasn't doing anything, but we was looking at, the, you know, obviously what was going on around us. You know, we're still getting paid. You know, we still knew we had light at the end of the tunnel that we're going to play again eventually. So it was a proper, it was a weird time where, you know, where you're training, you know, you've probably done it yourself, where you got the kettlebell in the garden or whatever. You do a few reps, you're like... What's going on here? We're not playing next week. We're not going to be playing the week after. When are we playing? It got really, really tough. But I saw it all. We always hit, we, we had so many people from the club looking after us. You know, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel, and obviously that reflection period of you know people doing it tough around us made it made it feel how lucky we actually were. And and when we got, I think when we got back going, 
that sort of proved proved that as well. How grateful we was to be back doing it, doing what we loved as well, and that showed in how well we came back playing. I don't know if you've listened, mate, to the recent interview James Graham did with Matty Johns over in Australia, but he mentioned a moment that you two shared when you won the grand final last year and he compared it to when, uh, I think it was the early 2011 grand final lost to Leeds. Uh, and, and James Graham said it was a, a beautiful, almost bookend of losing one and winning one. Can, you, can mm. you tell us about that moment and what you remember about it? Yeah, it was magic, wasn't it? It was honestly, there's no other way to, to describe it. I always remember him saying, you know, I'm good mates with Jammer. Obviously, a good few years younger than him, but when when he left to go to the Bulldogs, I was just coming through. I think he was 25 and I was 18 or whatever. Uh, he might have been a bit younger. He was obviously going over there and he, he helped us come through. He was one of them who I said, like a Paul Wellins, who, who saw anything you need. He was there. He'd always been having a laugh and I lost that grand final. I think he sort of was a bit... He was a bit gutted that he couldn't be with me to try and you know win another one the year after that he was leaving this young side because... Like we spoke about with that 2011 side, it was so young. You know, the average age would have been about, you know, 23, 22 or something. We had so many young lads in it, and I think he wanted to to sort of be there and guide us. But that was his his chapter shut on the Super League, and and then to get a text in lockdown, to get a text in lockdown last year that, you know, you know, I, I'm coming over again. I was like, what, what what you mean? He's like, yeah, I'm finishing. I'm coming finishing my career at St. Helens. I was like, but how good is this? Because not only you know, it was a masterstroke by the club because not only is he a great player on the field, he's, you know, his biggest values are what he offers away from rugby and on the training pitch, he's just an absolute legend. What he's like with the younger lads, what he's like with people like, you know, people like myself in in, in the part of the careers and people at the end of careers as well. He's just such an incredible, sociable, great fella who's, who's great around the club. And yeah, it was a masterstroke by the club bringing him in and then obviously... Going to the grand final, winning that in the moment we did, you know, sort of like you said, closing that book, it was it was magic for him. And, you know, we embraced it at the end and was like, you know, I remember 10 years ago when, you know, you said you'll win one and, you know, look now we've we've done it sort of thing. It was it was it was a good moment and, and one that I'll always look back on and, and text him and, and wind him up with and you know, say that we finally did it. You know, I remember watching that grand final at home with with my missus at the time and 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 People describe it as kind of rugby league's Aguero moment where Wales becomes in and from nowhere and just bags this winning try and wins the, the top prize of the Super League Grand Final. Where were you on the field at the time? What what was your vision? Did you think it would ever happen or did you think it was going to go go a bit further? It, it was weird, really. It was, I, I had about four or five different emotions in that last 15 seconds. You know, uh, obviously, it a drop goal last, you know. All right, a drop goal. has got a pretty decent boot, you know, a long boot on me. So wherever far out, I'll always come round and and, I, and have a dig like. So I remember T.O. Farge got tackled and I was like, well, you know, no one's here really. I come round it, the drop goal, and it looked, from minute one, it just looked like it was going over. And I was like, oh, you know, I, you know, sort of time slows down, doesn't it? You're like, how good's this? You know, it's going to be a good party tonight. Sort of get a minute, run off and celebrate. And I remember Alex Wormsley turned to me. So the poster behind Al, and he sort of turned to me and was running after me, like saying, like, get in, get in. And I was like, as I slowly seen the ball coming around at the post, and I was like, you know, and then set off. And he's been like, what's he setting off for? And as we both turned around, obviously, it's hit the stick, bounced down. And then he's seen Jack Wells be coming out of nowhere. And you're like, he's not scored that. Like, it's extra time. Let's, let's get ready for extra time. And then the ref obviously goes to the screen. Everyone's running around, you know, giving it the big ones that, you know, that we've, we've won. And then, 
you have to calm down because it's gone to the screen. Is he onside? You know, at first I thought he's not onside. He can't be onside. And then obviously the screen shows that he's onside and he gets it down in probably, like you said, one of the most magic moments that's ever been in rugby league, in it? And yeah, the, re- the rest is history, in it? That game, it was just an absolute mental game and, and what a finish. What was that like in front of no fans? Oh, it was it was tough to be honest because it's uh, you wish there was seventy thousand there, don't you? You can picture that at Old Trafford, but you can't, can you? Imagine that at Old Trafford. You know, it's just unbelievable, isn't it? But I suppose you know everything happens for a reason, and and yeah, it was it was difficult walking out of the grand final and no one being there, but knowing that there's going to be a lot watching at home, your friends, your family. You know, watching on TV, it, it was difficult, but at the same time, as soon as the game kicked off, you just—it's just another game, in it? And and it's, I'm glad to say that you know we got over the got over the line and, and got another one won. It's that weird butterfly effect, and it made that if it would have been at Old Trafford in front of fans, it might not have even happened. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah, I probably would have shanked it, and it went rose head. Who knows? <laughs> just coming to the present day, mate. Something that caught our eye. We've been speaking about this off the podcast. Is you appearing on Soccer AM? Brilliant for our sport. It's, it's obviously spoken about the past couple of years that rugby league isn't getting the market and that it should do. Um, how did how did that come about, and how did you feel about appearing on that? Yeah, I was buzzing to be honest. It was uh, you know obviously uh, the people at Sky got in contact with us and was like, we want to see you know we want you to come on Soccer AM and and went down there and it was absolutely class. But I'm a, I'm a big believer, obviously you know that you know rugby league it's, it's it's got an you know unbelievable product and how great it is and everyone loves it. Everyone you speak to loves it. You know I'm, I'm doing a bit at the minute, a bit of work with Tony Bellew, the boxer. He absolutely loves loves rugby league. You know the lads down at Sky Studios. You know all the London lads love rugby league. Well, let's let's try and make this great game bigger. Let's let's get it the audience it deserves. Let's take it to places that you know has never been seen before. And you know I'd like to think that the product we've got available, it just needs that bit more of a push and, and let's get it to where it belongs because there's so many people who love our game that, that you wouldn't expect and, and really enjoy it. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a mission of mine to try and get this get this great game out there and, and, and appearing on Soccer M, you know, it was uh, wouldn't have done it in a while either, would it? So it was good. I totally agree. And you, you're kind of like the perfect person, really, to sort of like help market rugby league. And like you said, the product sells itself. We just need to get it out there a little bit more and, and hopefully many more mm. things such as Soccer AM will come around and, and help increase the profile of the sport in this country, which hopefully it, it needs really at the moment. And mm. um, just one that we, we were touching on as well. I mean, in terms of personal milestones, um, you only need 41 more tries to enter the top 10 of St. Helens all-time try scorers. I mean, is that something that you aim for? Is it just part and parcel of your game week in, week out? Yeah, it's sort of part and parcel, to be honest with you. I don't I don't really look at numbers. I'd be, I'd be a liar if, uh, if I say I did. Uh, like game numbers, you know, you start week on week, you, you keep an eye on, but sort of them long milestones, you sort of let them take care of yourself. And yeah, to, to enter that, I'd be... Be fairy tale, wouldn't it, to sort of cement your name in the, in the legends uh, alongside some of them, and and that's certainly one I'd like to do. But you know, you don't know what the future holds, type of thing, do you? And see where it goes, and you just got to let them look after yourself. Hopefully, that they'll come in time, and it's certainly one that, like I said, I'll enjoy doing and looking back on in the future. I mean, I'm not a St. Helens fan, mate, but I'm pretty sure you're already up there with, as a legend of the St. Helens club. So I think like you've already cemented that status um, there, mate. Um, oh. Just two questions from me that I, I just love asking. Um, from your personal point of view, uh, playing the game for so long, um, we'll take, uh, I don't know, we can do it unbiased or biased, I'll let you choose. So who's the best player that you've ever played with and who's the best player that you've ever played against? 
Best player I've ever played with and against. Uh, I feel the best player I've ever played against. Uh, just the admiration, respect that I had for him and how good. Just not that he was one of them who could turn everything to magic. I'd go Sean O'Loughlin for Wigan. He was one of the toughest I've played against because he could just do it all. He was tough. He, you know, if you're running into him, you're getting whacked. He could ball play. He could lead his team. He was a leader. He was inspirational. You know, fantastic bloke. Grew up watching him, you know, and then when I played against him, I used to always think, well, he's just elite, you know what I mean? He used to always think he's, he was magic sort of thing and wasn't flashy. He just did all the hard stuff and he was magic. The best player I played with would probably go Benny Barber for that pure, you know, probably opposite end of the scales there, Sean O'Loughlin, just because he was a, a master at his trade, you know, what he does and how tough he plays a game. And then Benny Barber, you know, not known for his defensive side of the game, but he was just just magic. You know, he's one of them, you could just get a ball on the on the corner flag and sort of stay in somehow, beat about five, six blokes, cut inside, dummy one. You know, I remember watching him, he played a game at Cass in the Challenge Cup and, you know, it was he scored three or three or four and I was just like, how is that possible? He was just like coming through, he was just, you know, gracing past people and it was ridiculous, but he, he was magic. Even some of the stuff he did in training, you'd be like, how does he actually do that? So I'd probably go, yeah, Benny Barber and Old Lachlan. That's fair enough for him. And from the interviews that we've done, Sean O'Loughlin's name gets thrown around quite a lot. So for, 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 for that particular reason, just a true warrior of the I sport. Think how, I think how humble he was as well. Like he, you know, you speak to him as well. He's just like, just like he's just another day at work, isn't he? Like he wasn't one of them. You, you try and follow in their footsteps, don't you? You like Sir Paul Wellings, your James Robies, your Sean O'Loughlin's. They're the best players, but they just they just get on with the job. They're not bothered. You know what 100%. I mean? So definitely he was in that bracket as well. 100%, mate. And just, just another one to touch on, obviously, there's a World Cup at the end of the year. You've got a fair few years left in you playing at the top level. Is there any players um, that you want to play against that you've not yet played against that you really want to test yourself against? Uh, yeah, just just some of the, obviously, Australian team. You know, the likes of the wingers like, you know, Aducar, you know, Tedesco at fullback, people, you know, keep returning into some of their middles. You know, you can whack it, just be, you know, it's a nice to add on the resume that you can beat the likes of them. You can compete and, and be better than them. Like, that's what we play the game for, isn't it? I just want to, I want to prove that. It, obviously, you've got to prove and play well for St. Helens and hopefully you get your chance at the end of the year if you're playing well. But you, you want to prove yourself against the best and, and the pinnacle is is the Aussie team at the minute, isn't it? So, uh, that before I, I finish in f- four or five years, whatever it may be, you know, I'd like to have that on my uh, resume for sure. I'm going to put you on the spot a bit here, and I know you've got a fair few to choose from, but from your kind of growing collection, have you got a favourite try which you've scored, whether you know, it's based on the occasion or the finish? Or... Um, I've got a few, oh, I've got a few to the, the England one in the last minute was obviously wasn't a, a sort of a trademark finish, whatever. That was just a, a memorable last last try in the last seconds of Anfield to get me that trick. And uh, there's been a, been a few for Saints. I've uh, I enjoyed uh, the grand final one, 2014, uh, and the best one of the most memorable tries was against Leeds. I scored a I scored a double against Leeds, if you remember. Uh, it was it was raining and I think Johnny Lomax put a kick through in the corner. You know, I managed to just pick it up and, and put it down in the, in the last minute to beat Leeds at, at home. That was a memorable one as well. But it's quite like you said, you're putting me on the spot and I'm give you like three or four. It's just it's too hard. I've got so many great memories and, and some decent tries in there. It's uh international as well. It's the pinnacle in it, so I'll probably go my international try to be honest. 
yeah, it'd be a bit easier for me to pick a, a favourite out of mine, single figure tries. But um, <laughs> just a, a last one from me, and it's, it's a bit of a kind of soccer M type question, but a chance to stitch someone up. So, who's got the best and the worst chat at the Saints, whether past or present? Where, what do you mean by chat? So, banter, really. Oh, best banter. Uh, the best banter would be. Uh, Passed up. Can, can I have anyone? Anyone you like, yeah. Swifty, Swifty was great. You know, good to see him doing well at Hull now as well. Swifty was unbelievable. His banter was another level, pretty similar to uh, him, and, him and me are pretty similar. Just enjoy a laugh, working hard. But he, he, he was next level. He was just a funny man. And the worst, uh, probably uh, Matt Percival. Yeah, no banter, Percy. He gets wound up too easy. So you'll be having a bit of a laugh and Percy will be doing something and he'll just lose his rag. He'll just be like, go away. You know, he doesn't want any banter. He doesn't want to get involved. And you can out banter him too easy. It's like arguing with a kid. <laughs> Superb stuff, mate. Just before we round off, what, what do you like watching films? Do you like watching TV series? If so, what, what's your favourite one of them? You know what? I get, I get slated, to be honest, because all these brilliant you know series or what have you is on I, I don't watch many you know I've watched the usuals I've watched like your your Game of Thrones and and stuff like that well I say stuff like that I've literally watched Game of Thrones Entourage and that's about it you know all the lads are going on about all this line of duty stuff and all these amazing TV shows I'm like nah I'm not not seeing any <laughs> but just yeah I just watch films me just honestly I just just watch films or a bit of TV footy I, I support United so Try and watch Man United when I can, and they've had a good year this year, so I don't, I don't mind. Such a shame that we've got through an entire interview and you just ruined it by saying you're a Man U fan. Do you, do you, do you guys support? There's no one up there, is there? Um, Leeds, yeah. Leeds, Matty Leeds. Leeds fans, yeah. Yeah, I said, I said there's no one up there. I said, <laughs> <laughs> nah, they're good. Uh, they, they are good. I watched the Docker on them. That's a good one, isn't it? On Amazon. Yeah, yeah, really good stuff like that. So yeah, they, they're quality. Superb stuff, mate. And just before we finish it. I, when we interviewed Tom Johnston, very similar, mate. In, in terms of the finishing, obviously it's it's almost known as kind of a, an Air Johnston trial or making some finish. Is that something you've kind of spoke about with him or is it something you kind of try and do? Has it just come naturally to you? I remember speaking with him on England and it's easy to compare the two, but if I try, you know, he's left side, isn't he? He's a left, he's a left winger. So if I try to do them, there's no chance. You know what I mean? Like I just, it's, it, for such a subtle change, it's uh, it's different in it, so I'd be like a, I'm right-handed dominant, so like it'd have to be another hand on a left hand, you know, left left wing finish. So yeah, difficult. I've spoken to him about England and that, and like you said, we, you get compared quite a lot, don't you? But it's good. It's only good for the game, isn't it? Like them them tries. It's another thing. I did I did an interview with uh, a, like a rugby union paper. You remember when Johnny May scored that half these, you know, half decent try? You know, when they scored one every now and again. And there was like a sport with sports to Tom Johnson, yourself, and all these rugby lads who were doing it week in, week out. But you watch any rugby league game, you know, you, you go and flick TV on, you know, Friday night, and you'll see you'll see a mint finish from a winger. It's, you know, it's just ever since he took that corner flag rule, like you know, when I first started, it was like it opened a whole new game, didn't it, and a whole whole new audience. And I think people enjoy it as well. You know, imagine if that corner flag, you know, you touch the corner flag, you're out. You know, how boring is that? And it, it's nice to sort of be, you know. When people say, you know, the kids or whatever, or we did a Tommy Makinson finish or whatever, or a Tom Johnson finish, it's, it's nice, isn't it, to see that? And, 
one you're proud of and hopefully it'll last a, last, last a while and keeps going. Definitely, mate. And, and linking back to what we talk about with Soccer Aim and marketing, that's exactly why we created this podcast, mate. We, we love Rugby League and we want to do everything we can to promote the game. So on our 100th episode, it's, it's an honour and a privilege to have you on this podcast, mate. And thank you very much for coming on and sharing your life and your history of, through your career. No, mate, I've enjoyed it. Thanks, lads. Like I said, it's a, it's an honour. I've seen your channel quite a bit and we spoke, haven't we? I don't know, I don't know which... which is, is the channel run by one of you or is it run yeah. by all the, the Instagram? Spoke spoke a lot and, yeah, it means a lot to, to have me on and, yeah, hopefully see you all soon and, and good luck with it going forward. Thank you very much, mate. And hopefully we are, if we get to World Cup game, we'll be cheering you on scoring our winning try in a World Cup final, mate. For sure, mate. Yeah, hopefully, let, let's all up so England win it. That's the main thing, isn't it? Definitely. Thank you very much, Tommy Makinson. Thank you very much, Jed. And thank you very much, Woody. Thank you, everybody, to listening to our century episode of Three Blocks and the Rugby League podcast. Keep an eye out for all future podcasts and we will all catch you down the road. <laughs>